we'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for November 10th, 2013. And today is kind of a shorter uh, study, just going to be hitting a few topics here. And I received a question from a listener, a um, good friend of mine named Greg, and the video that he was he had just viewed was entitled Breaking Whistleblower Exposes Government Shutdown in FEMA. Uh, and the UFO government cover-up in Comet Ison. And he commented, he said, this sounds like it could be real. I only sent this to two people, those who I think I have, who think will have discernment and eyes to see and ears to hear. What do you think? It could be very well legitimate. And um, what I did is I went ahead and I clicked on part one. And I'm just going to go ahead and play part one now so you can kind of hear it. And, um, now, I'm not saying that this is, like, 100% the gospel truth, but I do believe a scenario like this will be presented to the human race in the very near future. And my comment to him was, I've been waiting for a scenario like this for a long time, and Hollywood has done a huge propaganda campaign to prepare humanity for this exact same eventuality. Maybe not exact same, but some derivation, some form of this same scenario that we will hear discussed. Satan has not commissioned all of that effort by Hollywood, by the world government, by so many different various uh, things we can look at just to have nothing come of it. Now, I've done a ton of studies on this particular subject, um, and I've listed them here in the PDF. Uh, I'll just read you some of the, the, the titles of some of these studies. Imminent ET Disclosure and World Government, Vatican Easing Toward Alien Disclosure, Satan's Agenda for Disclosure, that's a six-part teaching, um, a lot of these are, most of these are all multiple part teachings. Preparation for alien, UFO deception, and high gear. UFOs, aliens, fallen angels, Nephilim in the days of Noah. Strong delusion, ETs, aliens, UFOs, Nephilim, and the Grenada Treaty. Which is um, how our government actually originally entered into league with these essentially evil entities from Satan's minions. Okay. Uh, the UFO. The UFO alien phenomenon, the next great challenge for the church. That's another teaching I did. So those are some of the studies I've done on this subject. Uh, one of the things you run into is that once you have six years, actually it's going on seven now, of teachings, you've already covered a ton of ground. <laughs> it's almost impossible not to be redundant. I mean, if I was to go in and try to expose every false prophet or whatever, minister. Yeah, I could cover a lot of ground there, but it's just, there's too many. And I'm trying to discover, uh, uncover things that are going to really be affecting us in the very near coming future. And I thought that this scenario that's presented here is, is a plausible scenario, and one that would have most modern-day churchgoers at beyond a crisis of faith, because they haven't been prepared in any way, shape, or form from the pulpits, from their pastors, deacons, elders, bishops, whatever. They haven't been prepared 
spiritually, they haven't been prepared mentally, emotionally, with any kind of knowledge to give an explanation to people that they know, to give an explanation to themselves, which is really the most important thing. You have to have all this stuff already settled in your head before it comes down. You know, the Bible says in the very same time period that we're in, that we're moving into more by the day, when the Antichrist will be revealed, when the falling away of the church happens in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, that God, for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I believe that this potentially, I would be surprised if it wasn't the greatest aspect of the strong delusion that we're heading into. There's a lot of, there's a lot of delusion out there. There's a lot of lies and falsehoods and things of this nature. But I think this will be the literal backbone of the strong delusion that people will believe a lie. Jesus Christ said, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And these are the, more so the false prophets and the, these types of things. But the Antichrist and the um, false prophet will, it says that they're going to deceive the whole world through signs and lying wonders and miracles and things of this nature. And so, deception, lying signs and wonders, miracles, are going to be the absolute crux of what we're, the crux of the deception that's coming. And so, I'll, I'll without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and start to play this video here. And uh, we'll be commenting on the way. Oh, let me, let me cue this up here. Okay. This is from a uh, YouTube site called Secure Team 10. And this is their video. This is a phone interview with uh, Dr. Norton of NASA in response to government shutdown of space surveillance projects and the FEMA military buildup. Remember how I said that NASA shut down their, their, all of their monitoring of the skies, at least for public consumption, during the, quote, government shutdown? And how I said there was, I guarantee you, there's a lot of other hidden agendas. They don't do anything like that unless there's a reason. It wasn't like that took all of, like, Obama and all of them by surprise. Oh, the Republicans, oh, the Democrats, and the, the shutdown and everything. Oh, we didn't know it was coming. Yeah, right. How they shut down all the national parks... And I've been telling you that that's been major staging areas for the foreign troop buildup or for whatever nefarious thing that they're planning. What might they have accomplished when they had those national parks shut down? Now, I understand we've, we've had a lot of reopening of things. Um, whether everything has gone fully back online or not, I don't think that's the case. Maybe, I don't know. But there was a time when this was going on. So... Again, this is the phone interview with uh, Dr. Norton of Nassau. My name is Dr. Eric Norton, and I have worked as an outside consultant for the NSA and NASA for going on 12 years now. My security clearance at present warrants my need to take the appropriate steps to keep myself protected the best I can. One of those steps is not to give too much information about myself. 
what I can tell. Now, he says the source is using an alias, and certain names and locations have been changed for obvious reasons. Now, I know, you could come back and say, well, that's all you're saying, this and that. All I'm saying is that whether this is true or not, okay, this scenario is going in some way, shape, or form to happen. And I never know when my last broadcast, my next broadcast is going to be my last, due to obvious things going on in the world. So, in whether it's this scenario or whether it's some derivation of this scenario, it's important that we kind of understand this being a great example, okay, of, okay, here's what they may say. And here's how they're going to present themselves. And here's what may happen. And then as a Christian who's armed with knowledge, who hasn't been destroyed for lack of knowledge, who, you know, understands the devices of Satan, lest Satan get an advantage of them. These are all Bible verses I'm deriving this from, okay? Because you have had a love for the truth, and that you haven't had pleasure in unrighteousness, you're not going to be deceived. God knows who has a love for the truth, and and, and, and the ones that have you know, pleasure in unrighteousness. God knows that. And I believe those are the ones, the, the ones that have pleasure in unrighteousness, they will be deceived. The Bible's very clear on that. The ones that have a love for true truth, which is hard, always hard, it's never pleasant, typically, they're going to be the ones that are not going to be deceived or deluded from the coming deception. But, you know, you also don't want to let pride well up and take heed lest you fall, you know, that type of thing either. Because pride can blind you. You can know a lot of the stuff and then that becomes a source for pride. I mean, I look around me and I, I just see certain things that happen in life and I realize how little it takes for so many people to just be totally consumed with pride. It's, it's, it's amazing to me. A little bit of whatever that they acquire. A little bit of good looks. A little bit of losing weight. A little bit of knowledge a little and it's like their heads blow up like the hindenburg i mean it's like unbelievable i see it over and over and over again god loves humility he loves meekness not weakness but meekness toward god he loves it when we humble ourselves toward him when we praise him and we acknowledge that we are nothing apart from the lord jesus christ he loves humility. The Bible says, To this man will I look, to him that's of a humble and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my words. And Isaiah says that. You know, which this goes along with the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, which is what we're talking about here today. Wisdom, understanding, and also knowledge. What is the key to acquiring true wisdom, understanding, and true knowledge? Okay, well, what is that? It's fear of the Lord. What does fear of the Lord always create in a person? Humility. If you fear God, if you truly fear God, you're going to be humble before him. You're not going to be all bowed up to God and, and, and be like, you know, <laughs> you're not going to be that way. And I, I think it's what's almost most lacking in modern day corporate pseudo Christianity, I and mean, I'm not saying I say that because I think I'm so much better and I've mastered this, and you know, trust me, I, I don't feel that way about myself at all. I'm saying that as much to myself as anyone else, but I, but I can identify that 
is a huge issue. And so, fear of the Lord is something we can pray for. Humility is something you can pray for. You can also pray for more faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. To try to pray and fast, confess all your sins. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So there's things we do to get our prayers hindered. And if you want to know more about that, just key in prayer in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. There's a lot of teachings I've done on that in times past. And a lot of times I'll, I'll have people come in and they'll say, yeah, you didn't say this or you didn't. It's like, yeah, but I've done a whole teaching on that. <laughs> I've done a whole teaching on that particular subject. You know, and, and I'll point them to it. And it's like, okay, I can't mention every single biblical tenet that would go along with the subject every time I do a teaching. I, I'm only human. I, I'll miss. I'll mess up. I'll miss stuff. Sure enough, I'll do it. You know. So if there's a subject like overcoming or bearing the cross of Christ, if there's a subject like that you're wondering about, then just go up to the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com and key it in. Um, if you're not saved, go up to contendingfortruth.com, key on the True Salvation tab, listen to those teachings in that order where I go through salvation, baptism, overcoming, bearing the cross of Christ, all those things that come after salvation, those types of things. So that that's up there as well, and that, that's the most important thing that um, I could possibly address, salvation. You know, are you going to spend eternity in hell, or are you going to spend eternity in heaven? Hell and then the lake of fire, according to the Bible. So that is something you want to get straight. Far supersedes anything I'm going to cover today. Okay, so anyway, let, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and get more into this interview. The U.S. that I have worked as an outside consultant on many projects led by our government, the U.S. government, including with, more recently, the Meteoroid Environment Office, or MEO, which is involved in several research projects with installations. So this is the Meteoroid uh, Something Project, or MEO, Meteoroid Environmental Project. Okay. Sorry about the quality of the audio. I can't really do a whole lot about it. You, I will provide you a link. You can go hear it for yourself. Okay, um, so let's go further. Located throughout North America. The underlying goal of these projects is to gain a better understanding of the meteoroid environment so that the MEO environment models can be improved. We basically monitor the skies, track meteors, and other objects in space, and to date have made some very interesting observations, to say the least. Some very chilling observations, in fact. Observations that, if revealed to the public, would not only change the game forever, and we're not just talking the breakdown of all religions and a total overhaul of everything we've ever known about the universe and space, but we're talking the breakdown of society itself. Okay, now he just said a mouthful there. Remember the remember the miniseries V, where the mile high mile wide ship shows up over all over all the the major metropolitan areas in the world. We're here for your friend. We're, we're, we're your buddies. And, and obviously we're a billion times more powerful than you. But we're going to come like we're your buddies. And you know what? And, and then they go immediately to the Catholic priest. Where all the parishioners are having a crisis of faith. And even the priest doesn't even really know what's going Because they're not grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. Bottom line. They're not grounded in the word of God. 
if you're, if you're in the Catholic religion, you're, you're literally in a cult. Okay? You're in a works-based pseudo-death cult that has the blood of over 50 plus million martyrs just during the Inquisitions alone. Not to say all those martyrs were all saved, but, yeah. Anyway, that's what their fruit has been. Their pedophilic priesthood. That, you could go on and on and on. All of the evil, rotten fruit. It's only getting rottener by the day with what this current Pope's doing. And that's, and they're, they're very, very much going to be a part of this end time delusion and disclosure. And again, I had a whole teaching on that, that, uh, you know, the Vatican preparing the masses for disclosure. And you can click on that on the PDF for November 10th, 2013 for this date. So they're part of the problem. The world religions will be part of the problem. They are already yoked up with the corporate government, and the corporate government will be going along with this scenario. So they're going to be nothing more than a mouthpiece, ultimately, for these supposed alien entities, which are nothing more than essentially agents of Satan doing his bidding in their strong delusion role. So you're not going to be able to turn to the church for truth. The church is going to crumble. Not the true church, not the true remnant, but the 501c3, wherever that corporate church existence may exist worldwide. You better have your foundation built on the solid rock of Christ Jesus for what is coming, is the point I'm trying to make. No man, don't follow me, don't follow any man. The Bible says, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Okay? So, you know, I'm not telling you to put your trust in me. I'm telling you to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, Father God, and His Word, which is the KJV Bible in the English-speaking language. Not the NIV, not the ESV, not the Living. These are all translations that are translated from corrupt manuscripts going all the way back to the 1881 Revised Version of Westcott and Hort, which were two basically Catholic shills that took two unbelievably corrupt Catholic manuscripts, the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus, and translated that into the Revised Version of 1881, which has essentially spawned all these modern-day perversions that we have today that are so watered down, a ton of them you can't even get saved from anymore. KJV, totally different line of manuscripts that it was derived from, and there's only one. Okay, there's not like... Hundreds of translations. The Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So you want to make sure your Bible matches what's up in heaven. Anyway, let's go further. Phone interview continued after mysterious disconnection. I guess this was a live interview. We are talking about a subject matter that, even up until today, carries with it a level of disbelief amongst the majority of the worldwide community. On January 22, 2012, I was called to the McDonald Observatory in Texas, which happens to be the second largest optical telescope in the continental U.S. I received a phone call from an associate with the observatory and was booked that night on a flight out to Texas, where I was met by an agent reporting to be with Homeland Security. Uh, he didn't say anything to me other than that he had been dispatched to see that I had reached the observatory and reviewed the information within that was awaiting me. Now, when I arrived at the McDonald Observatory, I was met by a second man with Homeland Security, and by this time I was really dumbfounded 
as to what was going on as it pertained to me. I had never dealt with matters of national security, so I was really lost as to what it was that could be so urgent that it warranted this almost security guard-like behavior uh, from these two agents. I was quickly shoveled back into the main observatory chamber where I met four other gentlemen who were involved with the operations of the observatory, uh, and what they showed me was of such a shock to even my belief system that once confirmed, I had to sit down and take a moment to get a hold of myself. What I saw, I can best explain in my own words, as an array of massive three-dimensional black structures in space, in straight-line formation, advancing in the direction of planet Earth. I know this because I was shown images taken three months prior which depicted the very obvious course of direction by these things, which had moved millions upon millions of miles closer within just months. Uh, I'll, I'll let you do the math in terms of how fast these things were moving. Now, I was there with the understanding that it was my job to aid in gauging exactly what type of composition these objects were made up of and whether they were man-made, natural, or unnatural to anything seen before it. Now, so he was brought in to look at these structures because he's an expert in this area. This is where, and that's why he was brought in all of a sudden out of the blue to look at these and try to ascertain what are these structures, what are they made of, what, they're, they're trying to ascertain the threat here. Using the scientific instruments provided by NASA that are available to us today, we were able to discern the fact that these were not naturally occurring materials and that they were, to our best but limited understanding, some sort of metallic, carbon-reinforced material, several thousand times the structural hardness of what we have today, whether it be natural occurring diamonds or carbon nanotube-type material. The objects seemed to also be emitting some sort of force field that deflected space particles from touching the surface, almost like the magnetic field around the Earth, which shields it from the sun's rays and solar material. The objects were getting so close that with our telescopes we could see the structural features of these things in high detail. The, they were shaped in the best way I can describe as a three-dimensional L-shaped craft. I use the word craft loosely, as we do not know if these things are piloted or vehicles at all in the strictest sense. All we knew is that they were moving, and moving fast. By January 2013, the objects had been tracked to about 200,000 miles past the planet Mars. Once they reached this point, almost instantaneously the objects vanished from our telescope lenses. I mean completely vanished, and as if they had activated some sort of invisibility shield at the flick of a switch. That's the best way I can describe it. Now, I mean, if you've ever watched Star Trek or any of these sci-fi shows, that's called cloaking. Now, again, if, if, if they've done this in sci-fi films, they always telegraph punches. Okay, so the whole thing of them getting, disappearing as it got close would make sense from the standpoint they don't want to be tracked anymore. You can see them on any form of radar we have or any other visual medium available. We were left scratching our heads, and by this time... I knew that the upper echelons of the U.S. government were worried about these things because I was under a constant 24-7 guard by Secret Service agents who kept a close eye on me every single day since late 2012. I did not go home, go to the grocery store, or wake up in the morning without the reality of knowing that I was being watched. Some very powerful, high-up people were keeping an eye on me and the work that we were doing regarding these objects. Although I was never told about this, uh, it was obvious 
uh, with what I saw going on around me and the personnel involved. So for nearly the entire year of 2013, we watched the skies in disbelief of what had occurred. We didn't know what was going on or where these things were. According to my calculations, these things would have been so close to us by now that we would have no problem seeing them in the night sky had they stayed visible to us. But as I said, we didn't know whether they were still coming in the recorded direction or if they had simply left the solar system altogether. We just didn't know enough to gauge what was going on and what these things were really here for. I was sent home awaiting orders to continue my work as needed, and for some six months I did not hear so much a phone call regarding this situation. Uh, it wasn't until all of this commotion regarding the government shutdown, particularly of all the space surveillance projects, that I made some calls to see what was going on. Sure enough, what I had feared the most had been confirmed after I contacted a close friend whom I'd worked with confidentially on this project at the McDonald Observatory. I asked him what was going on and was there something to all of these space monitoring programs being shut down, including NASA, and was there cause to worry? My colleague sounded extremely unnerved when I spoke with him. At one point, it was almost as if he was trembling in his speaking. And I asked him, you know, what, what is going on here? It was then that he told me that the objects had reappeared and had positioned themselves behind the moon. The blackout of all space monitoring programs was essential to keeping the lid on what had happened. I did not speak with my colleague long due to the fact that he was not supposed to be speaking with anyone and was risking even his own life even calling me back. But what I do know is that these objects reappeared sometime earlier this month and positioned themselves in a circular type alignment, which allowed them to dock to the backside of the moon or just above the backside of the moon, so as to remain virtually invisible to sky watchers. The things are up there, and they're just beyond our view of sight when we look up at the moon. We don't know what they are, what they're doing, or what they're going to do. We do know that there have already been fluctuations in Earth's gravity field and the gravity field which links the moon to the Earth. These things are stationary, and they are at this very moment sitting behind the moon. No movement, no radio signals, no nothing. We are at a standstill as to what will happen next or if these things will suddenly reveal themselves. It also calls into question just what it is we think about the moon and is there a reason these things chose the moon to begin with to migrate to. You also take into account the recent ballistic Topol mission launch led by Russia, which was witnessed from space by Italian astronaut Luca Permitano after having seen a strange afterglow above the Earth which looked like a missile contrail. The thing that is strange about this is that the Topol missile uses solid fuel as propellant, so it cannot have been the dump that the astronauts saw. I'm not sure now what caused the cloud, but it's clearly associated with the missile itself. Now couple that with the recent shutdown of NASA and the furlough of 98% of its employees and the shutdown of the International Space Station's live feed, I think you can start to get the picture. They're definitely hiding something, and I've done my best to describe what that is here today. Okay, so that's part one, and they get him back. Now, I, I've seen in my research over the years... A lot of different, obviously you can't prove it, but a lot of different various sources, many in high-level government, NASA and these types of things, talking about all of the evil things that are literally on the dark side of the moon, where obviously they would be out of our sight line. Um, so... <laughs> that's just kind of further confirmation of things I've been hearing about the dark side of the moon for years. 
Now, let's go to this second part interview. Um, we're going to start about the three-minute, five-second mark and go from there. So what exactly does this all mean? There's been a lot of talk of the comet Ison and its possible catastrophic effects on the Earth. Although we have reported on this, at the present time it would appear that speculation seems to be the only real driver for recent fear over this situation. We will continue to monitor information on ISON as it comes in. However, recent events linked to an interview we obtained with a very important government asset have swayed public opinion as to what's truly going on with the recent buildup of military hardware from both FEMA and the Department of Homeland Security, and it has nothing to do with a comet. To clarify, our source is in fact using an alias for his protection, and certain names, dates, and locations have been changed for obvious reasons. Many of our viewers have proclaimed their general distrust in whistleblower revelations, which is completely understandable, considering the mysterious nature of these types of leaks to begin with. But that is what a leak is, and sensitive material does not always come with packaged sources and evidence for verification. Information comes in in small bits over time, and we want to reassure our viewers that we would not post anything that we were not sure about. And frankly, we are extremely honored to have Dr. Norton share his take on this, despite the obvious threat that comes with anyone who takes things into their own hands and comes forward for the good of humanity. We ask that our viewers be patient and to do their own research so as to aid our fight for the truth. Fairly put, I'd say. Second interview with Dr. Norton. Recorded on 10-24-2013. Names, dates, times, locations may have been changed for purposes of security. All right, my name is Tyler with Secure Team 10, and today we are speaking over the telephone with Dr. Eric Norton. Hello, Dr. Norton. Hello, Tyler, and thank you for having me. Now, since our first interview, there's been a massive response to the video. Have you noticed this or checked out our video since doing the first interview? You know, I've been extremely busy since doing our interview, Uh, The hotel that I had actually been staying at when I did the interview with you, I had checked in using a phony name. Uh, I had not told anybody about the alias that I had used in our interview. Uh, I had not told a single soul. Uh, And the hotel that I checked into, which was across state from where my home is, uh, I used a, a different alias. And just hours after your video was uploaded, uh, I received a call from the front desk of the hotel. The front desk clerk asked me if there had been a Dr. Norton staying with me, because apparently they had received a phone call from someone in law enforcement saying that they needed to immediately speak with someone named Dr. Norton and to find out if someone by this name was staying in my hotel room. Uh, I told the clerk that no, no one by this name was in my hotel room, and I hung up, and I got out of there. I am now at a a different location, um, out of state, and uh, it was a very worrisome alert uh, when I received the phone call from the front desk, because as I said, no one had known that I was using the alias Dr. Norton. Um, and I used a completely different name while checking into the hotel, so you can see how quickly they can find you, and I was just lucky enough to get out of there. That is extremely bothersome to me that someone, and from what you said, we don't know who exactly, uh, tracked you to the hotel you were at, even your room number. I'm very relieved that you were able to get out of the location, and from what we spoke about on the phone earlier, you have taken more stern precautions to hide your identity and whereabouts. Is that correct? Yes, 
since the first interview, there is no doubt that there are rogue elements here that are attempting to not only find me, but to discredit the video you posted of our interview. Uh, just from reading some of the comments on the video, it's obvious to me that some of these posters are without a doubt government people that have one goal, and that is to bring doubt to the minds of the viewers watching. Exactly. And, you know, it's true that with any type of big story like this, there are going to be people with doubts. Uh, and on top of that, there are going to be disinfo agents out there uh, to exploit those doubts and push those doubts to the limit. I've tried to explain this to my viewers, and thankfully most of them are open-minded uh, and are patiently working with us to find the truth. Um, one question that we have recently uh, received a lot is, uh, why did you not go to a major news source with this, or possibly one of the more popular YouTube channels having to do with the alien phenomenon? Well, to be honest, the major news networks are the last place that you'd want to go with something like this. These networks are part of the government establishment and are used by a multitude of government agencies to push their agendas through the television sets of homes throughout the country. If I had attempted to reach a major news outlet, there would have been either one of two things that would have happened. They would have either rejected my story because, as I said, they are working for the government and controlled by same. You know, or option two, they would have taken my story and done everything they could to discredit it and turn it into a mockery like they've done countless times to others. The Internet is the only place you can really leak information like this, and you have to find the true truth seeker out there to use in getting this information out. You know, and I've followed many individuals online and on YouTube and other various video sites, and nearly 75% of them, if not more, are not about the truth. Uh, they do no real research. Even some of the most popular people that I've seen on YouTube especially, and we're talking about the ones who have made a business out of their fame and have amassed millions of views on their videos, who claim to be almost gods in terms of their all-knowing knowledge about the alien-slash-UFO phenomenon. These people have no idea what's going on out there. They do interviews and they create videos using the same old stuff, and nothing legitimate ever comes from it because there are people out there who know the real truth, people like me, and they see these videos that are being put out, and they know that this is not correct information. I found Secure Team 10 uh, to be a channel that often, more times than not, has gotten it right. Uh, you've done obvious research in your videos where I haven't seen in any others. After speaking with you, I had made up my mind that that was the choice I would go with. You do honest work, it seems, and your viewership seems to be growing in massive numbers by the day because of the work that you've done. So I commend you for that. Well, we thank you for that. Uh, it really does mean a lot. We are always trying to get out the truth through whatever means possible. You know, we wanted to do something different uh, than what's out there already. We, You know, we've noticed that the majority of the large YouTube players who post videos regarding things like the New World Order or the alien phenomenon, you know, they're not really doing much research, uh, but simply post a handful of clips from other videos that everyone's already seen, you know, add a little commentary and sell it to the public in return for monetary gains. You know, and I think that is the reason that people have come over to our channel, because they want to see research about new things not yet discovered anywhere else, uh, and our numbers show that. We will continue our work regardless, uh, and we appreciate every person we reach. Now, can you tell me a little bit about the work you've done for NASA without obviously giving out too much information that would jeopardize your safety? 
Yes, I can tell you that I have done contract work for both NASA and for a short time the NSA for well over a decade altogether. Uh, my main field of expertise is geospatial intelligence work and the investigation of materials in space, uh, their chemical and structural makeup, and the tracking of space objects that are within and outside of our solar system, which are logged and distributed to various government outlets who request them. I am considered to be one of the leading specialists in my field, uh, and to date have helped with the identifying and tracking of over 12,000 space objects. And I can tell you right now, some of these things were not comets, they weren't space junk, and they certainly weren't asteroids. Uh, most of the work that I do is high clearance, high security. However, there are countless others whom I've worked with and who do the same type of work. So it allows me to blend in and become harder to track. Now, there are thousands of specialists doing work under the wing of the government agencies like NASA, DOD, DHS, and the like. Uh, I am confident that with the safety precautions I myself have taken and that you have taken an uploading of these interviews, that at least for now, they will be unable to uncover my true identity. Had they held this ability, I assure you, I would have been quietly arrested the moment the first interview was posted. I firmly believe that the government will go the route of putting out a mass public disinformation campaign uh, in hopes of discrediting what, what we are trying to do here, uh, as I know they have done with others who have come forward, including those of the likes of Julian Assange and the British hacker Gary McKinnon, who, if you remember correctly, broke into some 97 United States military and NASA computers over a 13-month period between the dates of February 2001 and I think it was March 2002 or 2003, um, and he uncovered proof of our government's contact with alien beings. This is the new status quo that the government abides by when something leaks. They don't kill you anymore, which would only add to the validity, but they run disinformation campaigns and employ untold numbers of agents who do nothing but sit on government computers seeking out videos like yours and blasting them with doubt. Right. Right, I certainly agree with you on that. Now, do you think that they are succeeding in these types of disinformation campaigns? No. No, I do not. Not anymore, at least. I believe that their stronghold on the public's opinion regarding these matters has been severely weakened by the major transition of normal, everyday people opening their eyes and really understanding the truth about these matters. Uh, the government is not pristine in their agendas and what they've done and have made countless mistakes in their campaigns, and the public has witnessed this, whether it be the false flags they've participated in or the lies that they push to profit from never-ending wars, the people are waking up, and it's people like you who are to be thanked for that. Well, again, I am in total agreement with you uh, in that the government does seem to be losing its grip on the public's perception of what's happening out there. And much of that is their own fault. I think that they have, and by them I mean the dreaded powers that be, that they have seriously lost credibility by pushing the line so many times and being blatantly, almost, well it is, blatantly obvious and uncaring uh, in their reckless disregard for doing anything to push a certain agenda and not caring who sees it and who puts two and two together. It's as if they believe that they are untouchable and that no one will really open their eyes, but they are. And that's the thing. They are opening their eyes, and they are doing it in massive numbers. There's no longer a taboo around this subject, and that should scare the government elements looking to keep these secrets from the public eye. Now, I know you were short on time due to the nature of your coming out with this information and that 
From what you told me, you have to change locations frequently, especially when doing an interview like this. So let's go ahead and get to the last point here and go into a little bit more detail, if possible, about these large ships that you described in our last video. Now, do you know where they are, what they are, and if they are piloted, or where they came from? You have to understand that I did not have the pleasure to continue in the investigation of just what exactly these things are. Now, as I said before, I was dismissed from the project after being called out to a certain observatory to determine what these things were to begin with. After identifying them near the planet Mars, I myself and a few others who I had worked with at this observatory were dismissed, and I heard nothing else for months. It was only after briefly speaking with a colleague that I was informed that these things had reappeared behind the moon at such an angle that the Earth viewers cannot see their approach. To begin with, these things are black. Now, they do not emit hardly any light and are extremely hard to see using basic telescopic equipment. We were able to discern that these were not natural objects and had obtained extremely close-up images of said objects using equipment that was never seen before or exposed to the public. I am not at liberty to say what this equipment is due to the fact that I honestly had never seen it before the time I was at the observatory. Now, what I can tell you is that our government has technological capabilities, especially in the realm of space imagery. We have imagery systems that can take photographs of Jupiter as if you were standing 10 meters above its gaseous surface. And we are talking resolutions that would make video and imagery equipment today look like something out of the Stone Age. Uh, to be honest, I was shocked and quite excited to be able to see this imagery system, which was actually hooked up to the telescope being used. Now, what I do know is that it works through the use of not just a telescope on the ground, but with a massive Hubble-like space telescope strategically planted in space, which precisely bounces images off of one another and back to the ground for processing. The exact specifications to the way they do this is still a mystery to me, but I can tell you it's very amazing, and I don't think anyone out there has any illusions about the fact that our government holds technology that would only be thought of in the movies, and that includes technology that was procured from outside of our planet. What I can tell you about these objects is that they do have the ability to move very fast in a very short period of time. They emit a force field that not only deflects rays from the sun and other space weather, but deflects objects themselves. We witnessed this when a mile-wide chunk of space debris made its way on a collision course with the ship-like object and was stopped in its tracks as if it had hit a brick wall. We imaged particles of this space rock being deflected in the opposite way that it came after hitting this invisible force field that surrounds these objects. We did not know if they were piloted, as we did not image any type of windows in the conventional sense on the object's outer structure. We did witness crevices within the structure, as well as definite lines and creases that appeared to us to be possible ports or linings of a large door or relative structure. Again, I was not there long enough to study the technical details of the objects, only the material of their makeup, and even that we are not sure about. This is a material never before seen on Earth, so it's hard to determine just what these things are made up of. What we do know is that they appeared on our scopes. We then imaged them out near the planet Mars, which was then blown up and confirmed with others there to not be natural in nature. The objects disappeared, whether it be using some sort of cloaking device or having left their position in space and moved somewhere else that we could not track, but we could not find them. They appeared again from what my colleague told me from behind the moon, a 
approaching at such an angle that only our space telescopes could see them. Then they aligned themselves in a trajectory behind the moon so that no one could witness their approach. From what I know, they are still there now, and I am currently in close contact with someone who will be providing me, hopefully, with more information on this. Now, security has, of course, increased around this project, and from what I know, it's partially due to our interview. All I can tell you is to be safe and for your viewers to keep an open mind, because this really is happening. Okay, and that that audio was on the 25th of October, so <clears throat> we're looking about 16 days ago, and I don't think there's been anything more um, since then. I would really be surprised if they hadn't, uh, particularly if this is legitimate, if they hadn't caught up to this this particular man and uh, shut him up. Um, but the actual secure team site is still up there. So let me kind of adjust my microphone here. So anyway, that hopefully you get kind of an idea of a possible scenario that, whether this happens or not, again, just to be prepared, just to understand how this may present itself. Uh, remember what he said, that this is going to basically destroy, I don't know if that was the word he used, but have a huge, gigantic impact on all world religions, not just Christianity, but all. Because when these things come, uh, as I've said before, they're going to say, listen, we created you. You're our little science project. And we've finally come back to police things because you all have messed things up so bad. Somebody's got to do something. Look at your planet. You know, look at what's going on with Fukushima. Look, and they're going to come as these benevolent creator gods, just like the ancient astronaut theory teaches which is what they go by, which is essentially what intelligent design is based on. Intelligent design is not Christianity. It's based on the fact that there were gods that came millions of years ago and seeded the planet with humanity, and now they're coming back to police their science project because we messed things up so bad, and to take us to our next evolutionary step, to the rung of godhood. Where we heard this before, well, in the Garden of Eden, when the serpent or Satan, tempted Eve, he'd taken the form of a serpent, tempted Eve, and says, yea, you should be as gods, nor in good and evil. And that's how he tricked her into partaking of the, of the fruit there, of the knowledge of good or evil. So, Satan's tactics haven't changed. It's going to be on a much more grand scale, though, this time, than it was in the Garden of Eden. It's not going to be some serpent showing up at your doorway trying to trick you to eat a piece of fruit. It's going to be, most likely, you know, 10-mile-wide spaceships, whether they're holographic images or whether they're the real thing, showing up over gigantic cities, just like has been depicted over and over and over again in all of these Hollywood scenarios. I mean, you could go, I mean, on and on and on about all of the different sci-fi, either movies or miniseries like V... Um, that one with Will Smith, where that you know these huge spaceships showed up. Um, I'm just I'm just 
there's so many, and I, I, I don't have all of the titles memorized, but that same scenario, I think that's probably how it may work out. Um, because they want to induce shock and awe. That's a big part of bringing in the New World Order. They're trying to take us out of the Old World Order into the New World Order where they're going to promise Godhood to those that bow down and ultimately take the mark of the beast. Those that bow down, and, and this is going to be the perks, And but you know there's going to be a lot of sacrifices. You know, you're going to have to probably take some elaborate set of vaccinations that was presented in the V scenario as well, or and or leading up to the mark of the beast where you literally will not even be human anymore. The mark of the beast probably will be more, much more than just a mark where you can't buy or sell or trade. It's most likely going to be something where it is going to change you, literally. It is going to change your DNA. You are not going to be fully human anymore. You are going to be transhuman. You are going to be a cyborg, part human, part machine. That chip is going to be able to control you. Or the threat of control, the the threat of annihilation if you get out of line. Who knows what are the spiritual implications of taking the mark of the beast as well. I mean, obviously hell in the lake of fire, but I mean, what it does to you on a spiritual level. You know, conscience sear with a hot iron, most likely. Who knows what type of devils are going to come into those people when they do that, when they take the chip. And this is why I'm so big on the vaccinations, because the whole thing about... All of this, and the whole thing about Genesis 6, was what, what we've talked about so many times, was defiling and corrupting the DNA of mankind. Because if our DNA is corrupted, are we even fully human anymore? Jesus Christ did not come back to save a whole bunch of Nephilim. Fallen ones. Part angel, part human. He didn't. That's not why he died on the cross. And shed his blood to pay their sin debt. He did that for humans. And if Satan can get us to willfully and, 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 you know, go into this and defile our DNA to the point of, and who knows, with with, um, the transhumanism aspect of it also, microchips actually literally making you a cyborg. I don't know where the line is crossed there where you can't get saved anymore. But it's sure not an envelope I would advise anyone to push. Like pushing the envelope. If you, if you die, you die. Okay? If, if they say, no, you've you got to do this. Or you, well, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I guarantee you, none of you will regret taking the advice I just gave regarding, you know, not taking that next vaccination or that next or the mark of the beast, which is what we're leading up to here, or some type of cyborgian implant that they might want to put into you. It's all about defiling humanity. We're created in God's image. When Satan looks at us, he is reminded of God. Okay? Not to say we're all godly, but we are created in God's image. The Bible does say that. So he wants to annihilate as much of God's creation as possible because misery loves company, and he wants to take as many people to the lake of fire as possible. That's the whole motivation here. That's the whole end game. It's as simple as that. So, this deception that we may be right on the cusp of, maybe maybe it won't, maybe nothing will happen for five more years. I don't know. All I'm saying is I want my listeners to be prepared for that eventuality, 
so that you're not destroyed for lack of knowledge, so that Satan has not gained an advantage of you, lest you be ignorant of it, so that you can reprove the unfruitful works of darkness and to have no fellowship with them. Okay? So that you're not caught in this strong delusion that you will believe a lie. That, that, that's, my, that's my motivation as a watchman. Which is all I claim to be. I don't claim to be a past or anything else. So, anyway, I just wanted to go over that and, and if nothing else, is a great example of a possible scenario that's coming up. But again, like they said, there's so much many governmental operatives out there putting out disinformation to counter information like this that that boggles the mind as well. So again, pray for discernment. Pray the Lord Jesus Christ would guide you. The Holy Spirit would guide you. Um that you're not caught up in the strong delusion. That, 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 like Jesus said, if it were possible, they should have seen the very elect. Pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon this earth and to stand before the man, Son of Man. Pray that you are always, to the, to the end, that you are an overcomer, that you endure to the end. The Bible says, they that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. You know, It's not like, well, we get to a certain point and all of a sudden we just give up on God. And we're like, well, you know, I'm just going to, Take that old mark of the beast, or I'm just going to give over to Satan. I'm going to start serving. I, I was saved for all these years. I'm just going to start serving Satan now. And and you you haven't endured to the end, okay? And that's a prerequisite for salvation. I'm sorry. Well, then it's works based. No, you endure through the Lord Jesus Christ. You endure through the Holy Spirit that lives inside you. It's not works based, but it has a lot to do with your faith. And. Um, Let's go further here. So I list, I don't even know how many teachings I've listed here on this subject. I, I, I already went over a lot of the titles, but it, it's a ton. It would literally keep you busy probably listening to these studies for, I mean, I guess if you listen to one a day, several, several, like two or three weeks. Um, the next report um, is entitled... Retired Army Captain Takes to Facebook, Warning DHS Preparing for War. And, again, this is just a little more confirmation. This isn't anything that is going to be shocking so much, probably if you've been a listener of mine. But, it's good to know that there's high-level military saying this. It's not just alternative news sites. It's the high-level military that are actually seeing this, and this is what they're saying. Um... It goes on to say, this comes as dire news. A retired army captain has got to the point that he is going viral with information of the gravest nature. He states that the uh, Department of Homeland Security is preparing for war against the American people. This is not something to take lightly. He points to all the ammunition being brought up, bought up by the DHS. He has been reposting this letter since March of 2013. And it hit my wall. This is the guy writing the article. I went to look at it, and it is indeed a live link on the Facebook account. He has updated the status quite often, and the last post he commented on was October 31st, 2013. And um, this is the letter from him, or what he's saying leading up to the letter. Department of Homeland Security and that agency is in preparation for war against citizens of the United States of America. My dear friends, the following is a copy of my correspondence with Senator Cornyn, 
concerning the arming of the DHS for war against the citizens of our nation. You are each encouraged to copy and properly amend this letter to send to your own senators and members of the U.S. House. We each have a role to play in standing against this present tyranny. Part of that proper response is sending them a letter like this from you and following up to make sure it remains a hot-button issue that must be resolved. God bless you as your honor, as you honor your oaths and your obligations as citizens of this free nation. May we, may we, we once again know honorable leadership and peace at home. With all sincerity and respect, resolve Captain Terry M. Hestelau, United States Army, retired. And this is to the Senator Cornyn. Um, Dear Senator Cornyn, it's the gravest concern that I write you today concerning the recent appropriation of weapons by the Department of Homeland Security that can only be understood as a bold threat of war by that agency and the Obama administration against the citizens of the United States of America. To date, DHS has been unwilling to provide you, the elected representatives of the people, justification for the recent recent purchases of almost 3,000 mine-resistant, ambush-protected MRAP armored personnel carriers, 1.6 billion rounds of ammunition with associated weapons and other weapons systems when, in fact, the DHS has no war mission or war-making authority within the limits of the United States of America. Significant is the fact that at the same time the Obama administration is arming the DHS for war within the limits of the United States against the people of the United States in accordance with his 2008 campaign speech claiming, quote, this is from Barack Obama um, from 2008, quote, we cannot continue to rely on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful just as strong, just as well-funded as the United States military. So the Obama administration is deliberately defunding and overextending and hollowing the Department of Defense, which is the only legitimate agency of the U.S. government with a war mission. This act of the Obama administration stands as a glaring threat of war against our nation's citizens. This act of the Obama administration can only be understood as a tyrannical threat against the Constitution of the United States of America. If left unresolved, the peace-loving citizens who have sworn to defend the United States Constitution against all enemies, both foreign and domestic, are left no option except to prepare to defend themselves and the U.S. Constitution against the administration's coup against the people and the foundations of liberty fought for and defended for for the past 238 years. We have no choice if we honor our oaths. The only proper response to this threat against the American people is for the representatives of the people, the members of the U.S. House and Senate, to demand in clear terms that the administration cannot ignore that the Department of Homeland Security immediately surrender their newly appropriated weapons of war to the DOD. Further, since the Department of Homeland Security has assumed a position in the administration to enforce the tyrannical acts of this president against the people of the United States, against the limits of the United States Constitution, it remains for the United States Congress to exercise its limiting power in the balancing of powers established by our founding fathers to to de-establish and dissolve the DHS as soon as possible. One only needs to look at the rise of Adolf Hitler and his associated DHS organizations, which were called the SA and the SS, in 1932 through 1934, to see the outcome of allowing an agency of government this kind of control over the free citizens of a nation. So in other words, this is happening all over again, what happened in Nazi Germany. The people of Germany could not have imagined until it was too late the danger of allowing a tyrant this kind of power. We must not be so naive as to think it will not happen to us if we remain passive toward this power grab by this Marxist 
Marxist Obama administration. Sorry, I kind of lost my place there for a sec. Okay. Finally, for two more, more than two centuries, this nation has lived in peace at home because of the protections of our legitimate military. I mean, I'm only going to give the Lord the credit for that, but... And then he says, in the many appropriate state and federal enforcement agencies supporting constitutional courts. We stand today at a crossroad. Will we allow the present administration to overthrow our United States Constitution and its legal processes to amend the injustices? Or will we honor our obligations to defend the Constitution against a domestic enemy? Our Constitution lays out the proper methods of resolving our differences, and it does not include its overthrow by a rogue agency of a Marxist leadership at home, obviously in regard to the Obama administration. You, sir, are our constitutionally elected agent to defend our Constitution at home. We are counting on you, and, you know, blah, 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 and, and all that. Not to say that, you know, this is going to get resolved because of this, but, you know, at least he's speaking out, and I, I appreciate, he seems like a man of honor, and um, he's trying to make sure that, you know, our representatives, the senators, the government, you know, all these people also are men of honor. Obviously, I don't believe that's the case at all, but he is making an effort in that regard, and I respect that. Next report, and the last report, um, is entitled, Have the Churches Become Agents of the State? This is from Chuck Baldwin. The Senator Lyndon Baines Johnson devised what has proven to be a brilliant strategy in which to silence and neuter the American churches. His bill, which created the 501c3 tax-exempt corporation status for churches back in 1954, has over the decades effectively muted the American pulpits. The vast majority of the churches today are thoroughly and completely intimidated by the threat of losing their tax-exempt status under the 501c3 section of the Internal Revenue Code. As a result, the vast majority of pastors are unwilling to address virtually any issue from the pulpit that could be deemed as political, because you're not supposed to, according to your 501c3 corporate yoked up with the IRS, the government charter. Out of that fear of losing tax-exempt status, the egregiously slavish interpretation of Romans 13, that Christians and churches must submit to civil government no matter what, and a very legitimate argument can be made that Mr. Johnson, this Senator Lyndon Baines Johnson originally, not only silenced and neutered America's churches, but that he has, in effect, turned them into agents of the state. More and more, the federal government is using pastors and churches to promote, promote its big government agenda. Most readers are familiar with how the FEMA created a program called the Clergy Response Teams several years ago. Under this program, tens of thousands of pastors were instructed on how to assist the federal government in the event of a national emergency. Pastors were encouraged to teach Bible lessons from Romans 13, in which church members were told that God instructs them to always submit to civil authority unconditionally. Excuse me. They were taught to encourage their congregants to turn their firearms in and be willing to relocate to government-provided shelters if that is what the government told them to do. Also, that, that you need to just submit to whatever vaccination they're going to give you as you come to the church, and then they're going to ship you off to the camps. That's going to be another huge thing, particularly in the, in the threat of any type of pandemic or biological. So that's a whole other horrifically bad thing as well. The last report I read noted that these clergy response teams have been established in over 1,300 counties in the United States. That's why I said... 
the modern day 501c3 church is going to be a huge part of the beast system. They are already kind of assimilated and they're going to be further assimilated and called upon by Satan to be agents of Satan because they've yoked up with Satan. You know, membership has its privileges, but it also has its drawbacks. You know, and, and this is what we're, we're looking at here. For those readers who are even casually acquainted with history, this is straight out of the Nazi handbook. We, we learn that churches are being used to help the federal government promote and sell Obamacare as well. <laughs> I read this garbage, I didn't even read it, but all of the propaganda about Obamacare, where, you know, on CNN the other day they had this thing where it was like, it looked like they were against Obamacare, and then it was like, um, it had something to do with the churches. And I'm like, and then it said, well, in the certain states where Obamacare hasn't been fully implemented, it's the church's faults. All of these people are going to go without health care because they haven't been vocal enough. I'm like, what a unbelievably satanic, twisted interpretation of what the churches should be doing. And they were essentially blaming the churches for this and the states that haven't fully ratified Obamacare, which has been nothing more than a total, unbelievable, unmitigated disaster from its inception. <laughs> it's, it's just so satanic. I, I Anyway, according to theblaze.com, community organizers are joining pastors across the country. That's what Obama was originally, community organizer. Anyway, are joining pastors across the country to educate and help parishioners sign up for Obamacare. So, the old 501c3 church is yoking up with Obama in lockstep to try to get all of its um, pros and chosen um, to sign up for Obamacare. Not to say all people in 501c3 churches are the frozen chosen, but I'm just saying in general. The coordinated initiative called the Healthcare from the Pulpit, that's literally what it's called, Healthcare from the Pulpit, is being implemented by Enroll America, a nonprofit with the goal of maximizing the number of uninsured Americans who enroll in health coverage made available by the Affordable Care Act. Now, again, we just talked about this, I think the last study, on all of the unbelievably horrific ramifications for signing up for Obamacare. And, and there's so many different facets. So if you're not familiar, you need to go back and listen to that last study. And then this will really make a lot more sense as well. Um, the program has already reached a number of churches across the nation. In Jacksonville, Florida, Pastor John Newman is among those who invited community organizers from the group to his church to talk about the cost of Obamacare and the enrollment process. To me, these guys are nothing more than shills of Satan. You know, the fact that they have such no discernment whatsoever and that they would try to get their parishioners to participate in this. It, it, it just... I don't know. I, 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 I'm I just at a loss for words anymore with a lot of the news that, that we see. Going further, it said, During the event, Enroll America invited congregants to fill out cards with basic information about themselves or people they knew who might be in need of, oh good, so you can narc your neighbors out, like a good little Christian should. 
Yeah, the people they knew who might be in need of health care. You mean disease propagation? That's what it really does most of the time. Our pastor, he keeps us real informed and grounded in what's going on in the community, and he's always bringing stuff to help us. So I love him for that, said one parishioner named Michelle Fletcher. Honestly, I mean, we are we are literally totally in the strong delusion. I understand we're going to get a whole other level, which is what I kind of talked about in the first part of the study, but Delusion is the norm. Okay? Delusion is the norm. Backstabbing is the norm now. Okay? Having no integrity is the norm. Being a liar is the norm. That's what I've observed from humanity at large. I mean, I don't want to be Johnny Raincloud, but I'm just saying, this is what I've observed. Um, and it's only gotten worse. Now, I'm not talking about my listeners. Okay? I'm talking about people kind of in general. And the Bible says that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, and that was regarding the end times we're living in, deceiving and being deceived. Okay, Second Timothy 3.13. So they are going to be deceived, and they are going to try to deceive others. That's, unfortunately, the norm. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That's the latter times. That's the time we're living in. That's the norm, unfortunately. So that's why I always say, keep your eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word, because man can and will fail you if you're putting your trust in man. Don't do that. So, going further, um, okay, so continuing on here, uh, Enroll America knows that pastors are trusted members of the community, which is why churches are a focus for education and information on health care law. In other words, they're just trying to use the churches to do their bidding. Through health care from the pulpit, the organization is working with faith leaders to ensure that people hear about the availability and with a captive audience in the pews, the move makes more logistical sense. Now, yeah, I mean, these are, you know, you trust your pastor, these types of things. He's not going to steer me wrong. He's not going to lead me down the wrong road. But the Bible says that the blind lead the blind. They're both fall into a ditch. And the majority of pastors, 501c3 corporate ones, are blind. And, um... They don't get into any of these types of issues we tend to get into in, in this ministry and a lot of the other ones to warn their flock. No, they're just, <laughs> they're just, it's like sheep to the slaughter, you know, is basically what you're getting. So then it goes on to say, pastors are trusted messengers. They'll be able to get the story across. They'll be able to relate to that story and they'll be able to ask people to enroll in health insurance. <sighs> Unbelievable. You're going to just see more and more and more of this. The church yoking up with the government in every way, shape, and form. <clears throat> From October 25th through 27th, the organization launched its pulpit program as part of a Get Covered America campaign. Um, enroll America pledged to help churches who wish to enroll congregants or provide people in the community with information and resources. And again, really, this should be... 
what I'm talking about here should really be done in light of last week, or the last teaching I put up, regarding the wicked, evil fruit of Obamacare, and the ramifications of that. What they're literally trying to yoke their um, congregants up to. <clears throat> it's just, just totally unbelievable. Um... A press release from October 22nd on the Get Covered America website further explains the purpose of in-church events, which says, The Treat Yourself to Coverage Weekend will also engage dozens of faith groups for the first nationwide push of healthcare in the pulpit. Get Covered America's faith engagement program uh, reads, quote, Working with Diverse groups of faith and lay leaders. Get Covered America will host... You know, have these little catchy limerick phrases. Get Covered America. Treat yourself to coverage weekend. Healthcare in the pulpit. It all sounds so nice and rosy. And it's nothing but satanic, essentially. From, again, what we covered in the last teaching. Nothing but, but satanic, essentially. So, going further... Um, Get Covered America will host over 50 events across the country to further engage the faith community in education about enrollment in the marketplace. Other initiatives are bringing churches into Obamacare fold as well, into the Obamacare fold as well. Dr. Michael Miner, pastor of Oak Hill Missionary Baptist Church in Hernando, Mississippi, was recently given a federal grant to help enroll individuals in the health care. Oh, so he's being bought off. Kind of like when churches get Subsidies from the government because of their 501c3 status, not only can they, you know, write it off on their tax, the parishioners can, but the church gets benefits as well. So they're being bought off. Through the $317,742 fund, Minor, this, this, um, Dr. Michael Minor of the pastor of this Oak Hill Baptist Missionary Church, Minor will work with Cover Mississippi a cohort of advocacy groups, advocacy groups, organized by Mississippi Health uh, Program. He has already put together a group of 75 to 100 navigators. Now, remember we talked about these navigators in the last study, how unbelievably corrupt they already are, the people that are actually doing this. Um, Some of them are absolute total criminals. Some of the organizations have been in all types of, of criminal, caught on all types of criminal behavior by our own government. And then what does our government do? Well, we just hire them back. Because they proved worthy of Satan's, you know, um, to do Satan's bidding. So we're going to reward them again. So if you're evil, you're rewarded. These navigators um, around the state, they will yoke up again with them. And uh, they will provide information and access to Obamacare. While his, I mean, in, in the risk of identity th- fraud from these, quote, Obamacare navigators is just through the roof. While his efforts are unaffiliated with Enroll America, they serve as another example of a church getting involved in the health care rollout. This is such an abomination in the sight of God, all of this. This 501c3 church yoking up with the government. And he's got a report here you can click on. Healthcare from the pulpit. Here's some Here's how some churches are spreading the word about Obamacare. So that's a separate link you can click on. And then it goes on to say, think about it. Before a bill becomes law, pastors are forbidden to address it from the pulpit because it would be, quote, interfering in politics. Now, these are 501c3 pastors, okay? This is a violation of separation of church and state, they say. But after a bill becomes law, 
it is now the obligation and the duty of pastors to support and promote it. And this is all according to the corrupt government. Because it is now the biblical thing to do per Romans 13. Uh, was Johnson a diabolical genius or what? In meaning the original architect of this whole thing. By the way, I strongly urge readers to purchase the book on Romans 13 that was co-authored by me and my constitutional attorney son entitled Romans 13, The True Meaning of Submission. This book shatters the misinterpretation of Romans 13 that Christians are commanded by God to submit to the state no matter what. The Apostle Paul was not introducing a new topic in Romans 13, not at all. The subject is covered throughout the scriptures. The book needs to be read by every pastor and Christian in the country. Order Romans 13, the true meaning of submission here. So there's a link here. He, he also has a four-message video series on the true meaning of Romans 13. If you want to get that, I'll give you the link for that. Now, I also did a teaching on Romans 13 that um, I am going to be posting with the other teachings I've done on the 501c3 church at the end of this PDF. The PDF for today is only going to be about, about eight pages. And my teachings on it, which are all for free, will be at the end with a PDF that goes along with them, and that, that's all free as well. Okay, so continuing on, in the same manner that the Nazi government co-opted the churches of Germany, the federal government in the Washington, D.C. is co-opting the churches of America today. Hitler did the same thing, in other words. During the rise of the Third Reich, German, Germany's pastors and churches were taught the same misinterpretation of Romans 13 that pastors and churches in America are now being taught. And in the same way uh, that Hitler used Germany's pastors and churches to promote his big government socialist agenda, American pastors and churches today are being used to promote the big government socialist agenda emanating from Washington, Washington D.C. Mr. Bush used the churches to promote FEMA clergy response teams, and now Mr. Obama is using the churches to promote the federal government's socialized health care system. I remind readers that during the Hitler years, the vast majority of German pastors and churches enthusiastically embraced the Nazi agenda, even to the point of flying Nazi flags and giving the Nazis salute during worship services in Germany's churches. Wow. Oof. But who among us remembers the names of any of these pathetic pastors? Yet, do we remember as history, as does history itself, the names of pastors such as Dietrich Bonhoeffer or Martin Niemöller, who led the spiritual oppression to Hitler's encroachment into the church? Um, instead of the federal government's draconian clergy response teams, we need to resurrect Bonhoeffer's band of heroes, which were known as Pastors' Emergency League. This was a group of German pastors dedicated to resisting the Nazi agenda, especially inside the church. Well, amen. That's what all the pastors should be doing. But really, in order to do, to do that, they would also have to come out of the whole 501c3 corporate whore system to take that first step. You can't be in the system, benefiting from the system, fighting the system. In other words, I mean, it's hypocritical. I mean, they were the ones that signed the paperwork. You know, they were the ones that made that... Now, I understand maybe a church pastor came in and he took over, you know, and he wasn't the one that did the original paperwork. I get that, but, you know, um, this is something that needs to be done, obviously. But it, and I hate to say this, it's not going to be done in mass. I mean, there's no Bible for that to happen. And then that would be the prerequisite, I believe, for true revival in America. That and getting back to the true word of God and about a ton of other things as well. But the uncoupling of the church with the government would be the first step. Um, 
you know, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And I mean, that's pure leaven here that you're dealing with. And in the church, the government's becoming more leavened by the day as well as, as the church as a result. Um, you lay down with dogs, you're going to get fleas, in other words. So, um, the creed of Bonhoeffer's pastor's emergency league was, number one, to renew their allegiance to the scriptures. Praise the Lord. To resist, number two, to resist those who attack the scriptures. Three, to give material and financial aid to those who suffered through oppressive laws or violence. And four, to repudiate the Nazi cause. Man, praise the Lord. That's <laughs> all sounds good to me. Bonhoeffer's Pastors Emergency League soon became a nationwide movement called the Confessing Church. Um, in his book, Hitler's Cross, Erwin Lutzer summarizes the creed of the Confessing Church as being, quote, no human sovereign should rule over the church. It must be under the word of God to fulfill its role. Amen. Uh, Lutzer also noted that about the Confessing Church, soon realized that blind obedience, even in matters that belong to the state, might be a violation of the Christian mandate. Lutzer further wrote, quote, many of the Christian heroes were lawbreakers. Whether it was John Bunyan, who sat in the Bedford jail for preaching, Richard Wombrand, who was beaten for teaching the Bible in communist Romania, Christians have always insisted that there was a higher law than that of the state. Well, look at Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, he was brought in and accused of all of these things, and he wasn't going to submit to whatever the Romans wanted to, him to confess to or whatever the Jews wanted him. He wasn't going to go along with that. Therefore, he was crucified, essentially. All of the apostles, save John, and John was thrown in prison in Patmos, they all were supposed lawbreakers. But see, we're in a time, especially now, where it's the norm to have unjust laws. Laws that that totally contradict the word of God. So what do you obey? Well, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, as Joshua said. And, and that's what we're, we're supposed to do. And, and it doesn't matter what time era we're in, especially in today's, though, with as corrupt as things are. You can't not break the, the law all the time, pretty much. They've got so many laws on the books now. You know, it's, it's just about impossible. And that's what Satan wants to do, create a more and more repre repressive society so that it's almost impossible not to even be breaking the law all the time. Therefore, you know, you're, you live in a constant state of fear and anxiety over, oh, you know, is Big Brother going to get me for this or that or this? Uh, it's just like the walls were closing in. So, they would technically, all the apostles, save John, were all martyred. And, of course, I guess you could paint a, you know, I mean, John lived his life and, and the remainder of his years in the Isle of Patmos, most likely, and probably died there, so I mean, you know, it's it's they were all considered lawbreakers. There's countless martyrs throughout history. The Catholic Church has killed millions and millions of true Christian um, martyrs who weren't going along with the, quote, law of the day of whatever the Catholic Church imposed through whatever government that they had control of. Were they wrong? Was Jesus Christ wrong? Were the apostles wrong? Obviously, no. It cost them their lives, but... Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, they that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. We are supposed to be more than overcomers through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and so these are things that, you know, are, it's just the way it is. Um, so going further here, and again to quote Lutzer, if I were to say that we will always obey the state, the state becomes our God. <laughs> That's true. 
if we obey the state, if we always obey the state, then the state becomes our God. Well, because why? Because if the state, what the state tells us to do contradicts the scripture, which increasingly more and more and more that's the case, then you have to, you can't serve two masters. No man can serve two, you can't bow the knee to Baal and the knee to God. You have to choose whom this day you're going to serve. And, and God's letting that happen because he's trying to separate clearly separate and delineate the sheep from the goats or the sheep from the pretending sheep pretenders or wolves in sheep's clothing even worse the brave bonhoeffer rightly said quote silence in the face of evil is 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 itself evil you know all the thing the only thing necessary for evil to basically rise is for good men to do nothing that quote that you've heard. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. What does the Bible say? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It says that. Flat out. Hate evil. Not just, oh, it's kind of vexing to me. I hate evil. doesn't mean I think I'm perfect. And doesn't mean that I don't ever do bad, you know what I mean? It doesn't like I live in sinless perfection or whatever. Like Paul said, oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The things that I shouldn't do, that I do. And the things that I should do, that I don't do. You know, it doesn't give us a license to sin, but I mean, I can really relate to those Bible verses. But silence in the face of evil is itself evil. That's the norm, though. I'm sorry. Most people that call themselves Christians really don't go down that road where they're exposing evil or resisting it. Yeah, some are some are really pro-life, and that's good. And maybe against the homosexual agenda, true. But how there's so many other aspects to the evil that have infiltrated the very church itself that are not exposed. There's so much wickedness that goes on in the church, behind those four walls. That's not exposed, that's ignored. So... You have leaven come in, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, the church becomes corrupted, becomes blind, the pastors, you know, it's just a big, bad cycle to get into. Then Bonhoeffer says, God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is, is to speak, not to speak is to speak. Meaning, if you, like, okay, in other words, you walk by a house, you see your friend in there, and they're sleeping. You know where their room is, and there's a fire in the next room over, and they're not even up. And you just walk on by. Well, not to speak is to speak. I Meaning, you, you didn't say anything to warn them, okay, and they died. You've still spoken, though. You've still basically spoken that you're a coward, I guess, or something, or or maybe just you're apathetic and you, you couldn't be bothered. I don't know. I know that's an extreme example, but you kind of get what I mean there. You know about that. So then he says, then he says, not to act is to act. You're, it, it's still an action if you don't act. Actions speak louder than words. True. You know. So when you don't act, you really are acting. You're acting in a certain way. You, you're probably acting in a cowardly way or in an apathetic way or whatever. And then he also said, we are not simply to bandage the wounds of victims 
beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the wheel. Always been kind of my goal with this ministry is to throw the most gigantic monkey wrench I can into Satan's agenda. Ultimately, I know the Bible's true, and I know that things are going to play out, and I know that we're going to have the book of Revelation and Daniel and things that it says in the New Testament play out. But we still try to warn people and help people and, and show love to them and, and, and hopefully that they'll wake up and get their eyes open and ultimately get saved, but then also be able to help and save other people and educate other people. The names of the cowardly and compliant pastors who succumb to Hitler's ignominious intimidation are lost forever. While the names of Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Martin Niemöller will live forever. In fact, are not the vast majority of highly revered Hebrew and Christian heroes the ones who resisted the power of the state when it became tyrannical? Obviously. From Abraham, who resisted the kings of the nations, to Gideon, to Samson, to Queen Esther, to the prophet um, Micah, to Daniel, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, think about all these stories. They all resisted the state. Or the government, whatever you want to call it. Every one of them. And we're willing to basically die for it. Um, to Simon Peter, who told civil leavers we ought to obey God rather than man. To William Tyndale, to John Huss, to John Wycliffe, to John Bunyan, to Savarola, to Martin Luther, to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, to Jonas Clark. The names history regards most fondly are the names of men who resisted the power of the state when it attempted to interfere with man's duty and devotion to God. Amen. However, what do we see today? We see pastors and churches once once again becoming the pawns of evil men in government. Um, pastors are not so much messengers of God and watchmen on the wall as much as they are agents of the state. It's so true. Um, they are not so much shepherds who fight and give their lives for their sheep as much as they are facilitators of wolves who seek to prey on the sheep. Why? Because they're hirelings they're doing it for the money that have no true love for the sheep. But the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep according to what Jesus Christ said. How could you say these guys are, are collectively going to lay down their lives for the sheep? They're the ones selling them out through the clergy response teams, through getting them to enroll in Obamacare, through when when the time comes, hey, yeah, you need to come to to, to the church here. We, we have our, uh, that's pandemics going on now. We got the vaccine you need. Right here, and we're going to give you a little uh, little trip to that FEMA camp too. And you know what? While you come, you need to bring all your guns. And you you know I'm your pastor, so you can trust me. That's what's coming. It's all set up for it. I mean, I'm not saying it's totally set up, but it's pretty pretty far down the road. So they're not so much shepherds who fight and give their lives for the sheep as much as they are facilitators of the wolves who seek to prey on the sheep. And in modern history, the seed of this compromise and complacency began in 1954 when Lyndon Johnson introduced the devilish 501c3 tax-exempt corporation status for churches. I am absolutely convinced now more than ever that America will never experience any sort of spiritual awakening until the pastors and the Christians abandon the 501c3 government churches and repudiate the devilish doctrine of unlimited obedience to Caesar. Amen. Couldn't have said it better than myself. You know, you just have no idea what happens to your church on a spiritual level. Not only when you go to get your state licenses. I'm licensed by the state to be a preacher. Where's that in the Bible? Huh? 
I, I must have missed that. I, I guess Jesus was carrying his license around everywhere when he was doing all his healings. He had a license to heal and a license to preach, right? When he did the Sermon on the Mount and all that. Yeah. And so did the apostles, right? They all had their licenses from the state. I mean, when you, when you do the marriage thing, by the power invested in me, by the state of wherever you're from, I now pronounce thee man and wife? Where's that in the Bible? Then they go one step further, get their 501c3 tax-exempt status, so now they're doubly yoked up with the state. They, their whole right to exist as, a, as part of clergy is totally through the state. I don't have any of that garbage. I'm sorry, I don't. I mean, I'm not sorry, I mean, but I'm just saying. I, mean, I don't want to say it like I think I'm better, is what I mean, you know. But, I mean, isn't this just common sense we're dealing with here? If you really start to look at this with any kind of objective, biblical uh, microscope, it's pretty obvious. And then look at, well, no, it's not. Look at all the wonderful fruit of the 501c3 church, and then all of these pastors yoked up, and they went to their cemeteries, and they got nice and good and brainwashed by all the people there to say that the KJV Bible was garbage, and that these other versions are way better because they're older, and they're more accurate reading. Why? Because we say so. And you need to go and get your licenses when you graduate from here, because now you're qualified, because you went to our cemetery, and you got all your, I mean seminary, and you got all your good education here. And you go yoke up with the government, and you're fine. I mean, it all starts in the cemeteries. There, who, who do you think's pointing them to do all this garbage? So if you were Satan, where would you target? The seminaries. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Their foundations are destroyed right off the bat. I'm not saying all seminaries are just wicked, corrupt places, but I mean, most of them are totally pointing them in the way, way, way wrong direction, and just look at all the fruit to prove what I just said. So, here we stand, in this particular situation we're in, that the Bible did predict, particularly in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So, then he goes on to end this by saying, until we return the church to its rightful owner, Jesus Christ, the tentacles of oppression and tyranny will continue to strangle our land and our liberties. Meaning, if, if, if a 501c3, if the, if the government created you through the IRS, the government, through the 501c3, uh, corporate status, okay, whereas the pastor is the CEO and the board of directors are the deacons, and that's how the IRS will designate it, even if you don't, in your church paperwork. If the government created that, well, then how is Jesus Christ the head? Well, just because he is. But yeah, but you got paperwork saying that's not the case. <laughs> you didn't get your you didn't get your right to exist through Jesus Christ. You got it through some corporate paperwork garbage. You know, call me crazy. I just, you know, it seems to be pretty obvious. Um, then he goes on to say, P.S., we still have a very limited number of DVDs. Uh, it's just too much commercialism for me, but on the fantastic new film, Molin Lady, which means come and take it, it's what the uh, Spartans said to um, King Xerxes' armies, at the uh, hot gates when they were trying to come in and invade Greece. It's it's what the Spartans said to them. I know it's been said other places, come and take it. Meaning, come and take our weapons if you think you can, essentially. But anyway, it's called Mullen Lady, How the Second Amendment Guarantees America's Freedom. Um, 
And then there's a thing to the DVD there. If you appreciate this column and want to help me distribute these, anyway, there's other links here. So, uh, anyway, then I give you all of my teachings, which are free. Uh, Romans 13, and the limited subservience to the government, where should a Bible-believing Christian draw the line? The PDFs for that. And then another one entitled, Feds Train 501c3 Clergy to Quell Dissent During Martial Law. So they're training the clergy to quell dissent. So if, the, if their, their, their parishioners say, yeah, but the government's coming in, they're doing this or not, they're, they're, they're force vaccinating, they're, they're confiscating our weapons, the clergy's going to be there to say, let them do it. Romans 13 all the way. Come on. Whatever they do is of God. It says it right there. No, it doesn't say that. If they're, if they're ministers of righteousness and they're doing things according to the word of God, that would be the case. But they're not. They're doing everything contrary to the word of God. So Romans 13 does not apply to a wicked, corrupt, evil government. Did it apply to Hitler's Nazi regime? That's what they were being, that's what they were, the preachers were teaching back in Hitler's day. Go along to get along. Gotta obey Hitler. He's obviously a, a, a good guy and a, and a real, uh, um, you know, fun guy. And uh, doing some really good things out there. So we got to go along with them because the Bible says so. I mean, where do we draw the line? <laughs> so anyway, um, and then there's another teaching I did called a disturbing 501c3 corporate church report. 501c3 church being muzzled. And so there's some teachings there that you can avail yourself to. So um, that's all we have for today. I'm just going to do this one teaching. I know it's I'm way, way, way over on time for this one teaching. But I'm just going to leave it at one and um, potentially might get another one done, another teaching done next week, possibly. Um, so, God bless you, and we'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us, for letting us come together again, Lord, and, and to uh, search out whatever the truth may be, Lord God, for the day. I pray that whatever your will is for this teaching, and all of the other teachings I've ever done, wherever your truth or your word is being preached worldwide, Lord, I just pray that you bless it, and that you use it for your glory, um, and that many people would be saved as a result of it, and that blind eyes would be open, and deaf ears be open, Lord, and you would give us hearts to receive truth, Lord, and, and to be able to discern um, the truth from lies. I just pray to God you give us that discernment, that you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart that they would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.